Welcome to Alpine Church. My name is Joel Daly, and I'm the lead pastor here at the West Haven campus. If we haven't met, and I just want to reiterate what Erica said, uh, if this is your first time, if you're a guest with us, we are so grateful that you're here, that you chose to join us this morning. Um, here at Alpine Church. Uh, I do want to make a quick announcement about our Fusion Youth Sunday morning. If you're grades 7 through 12, we invite you to uh, go into room 2 for the duration of the service. They're going to have a, a small group in there. It's great. And then also, if you have kids grades 7 through 12, they meet on Wednesday nights at the Riverdale Campus United. Um, it's a good time that uh, I, I think the kids like it. I, I liked it when I was that age, so I think kids will still like it today. So uh, we're in this series, In Case You Missed It. And, and really, our, our goal in this series is to maybe highlight some lesser-known stories that are in the Bible, but maybe you didn't learn as a kid. You know, we have Noah's Ark, we have Adam and Eve, we have Jonah and the whale. But these stories that we're looking at aren't as uh, maybe as popular, but yet they're still just as important as those other stories. And uh, I, I just want to start by, I, I don't want this to, to be uh, depressing or bad or anything, but it's been a tough couple years, right? I, th I think we can all agree uh, it's just been a tough couple years. Um, you know, we've had COVID, we've had this whole pandemic, we've had uh, just all this political turmoil. We've, you know, some, some people don't, don't know if they have jobs. Some people have already lost their jobs. I know for my wife and I personally, we, um, we had a baby, which is great, but our baby had a, a lot of issues, a lot of medical issues that we had to deal with. Um, luckily, a lot of that's passed us, but it's been a tough couple years. Um, and yet, yet, that's not where I'm going to end. I'm not going to be a total downer. Yet, God is still good. And we've still seen, me personally, I've still seen God's provision and God's goodness in my life. Um, and so no, no matter what we go through in life, that's really, I'm kind of giving away what we're talking about today in the first two minutes. God is good even in the difficult times. And this story we're going to look at today is one that you may have heard. It's, it's a little bit more popular than some of the other ones we've looked at. But it's Elijah and the widow. Now, Elijah and the widow, this is in 1 Kings 17. So if you have your Bibles uh, or your Bible apps, I really encourage you, uh, don't just sit there and listen to me talk. Uh, go through your Bible as we're, as we're doing this. Make notes, whether you have a physical Bible or on your phone. Um, and, then, and then for later, study this and, and dig into it deeper. But Elijah and the widow, I want to explain a little bit about who Elijah was. So Elijah was a prophet. He was a prophet. And a prophet is just basically someone who spoke on behalf of God. And Elijah is the only prophet during this very difficult time in the life of Israel. In fact, Israel, God's people... Uh, they have now split into two groups. You have Israel, which is the northern kingdom, and then you have Judah, which is the southern kingdom. And Elijah is the prophet for these Israelite people. Judah was a little bit better than, than Israel, but they were still kind of screw-ups as well. But Elijah, uh, he, he was this prophet. Um, and you may know the story uh, that, that comes right after the one that we're going to talk about today of Elijah going up on the mountain and challenging the 400 false prophets. It's a really good story if you haven't heard it um, or read it. I encourage you in, in, 
in 1 Kings 18 to go read that. But, but today we're going to look at a different story. We're going to look at Elijah and the widow. And Elijah, uh, in this Israelite kingdom, there was this king named Ahab. Now, Ahab was the worst, okay? He was the worst king that Israel had ever had. And he was married to an even worse person, Jezebel. Like, if you ever hear the term, you know, if someone's ever called a Jezebel, that's not a good thing, okay? And it comes from this Jezebel that we're going to read about today. But, but Ahab and Jezebel hated, hated Elijah. He hated, they hated Elijah because Elijah um, was giving them news that they didn't like to hear. And so that kind of sets us up for this story today. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today, uh, so bear with us. But um, this is really the first thing that we need to understand and we see from this story is that sometimes God lets us go through lean times, but he always has a purpose. Okay, so, so even though God, even though Elijah is, is God's chosen prophet during this time to communicate his words to this king, um, he was in some serious issues. He had some serious problems going on in his life. This is what it says in 1 Kings 17. Yeah, 1 Kings 17. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go east and hide by the Kareth brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Okay, so Elijah, he has to go away from where he's at into this uh, basically nowhere land, and God is going to provide for him through these ravens. And so this is what Elijah did. He says, it says, so Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So God provided for him every day through ravens. I didn't know this, but did you know, like, if you're nice to birds, they'll bring you things? Did anyone know that? Like, like crows? I cannot stand crows. But I guess, I guess if you're nice to crows, I don't know what it means to be nice to a crow, but uh, they'll actually, like, bring you things into your yard. That's kind of weird, right? So, like, this is what's happening with Elijah. God is saying, this raven is going to bring you food every morning. And you're going to drink from this brook. But you see, after a while, this brook dries up. So, so why, in the first place, maybe you're asking, why is Elijah even in this situation? Why, why did he have to leave? Why is he having to drink from this brook? Why the heck are ravens bringing him food, right? This is, this is why. It's because in verse 1, now Elijah, don't don't get mad at me for the pronunciations of these words, uh, who is from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So the king didn't really like this. The king didn't like that Elijah told him that there's not going to be rain until he says so. And so this is why God, this is why God tells Elijah, you, you need to go, because if you don't, the king is going to kill you. So you need to go. My wife and I, uh, or sorry, Ahab and Jezebel really, really don't like you. Um, 
because you're telling them that it's not going to rain for uh, a few years. Now, now we're in a drought here in Utah, right? That, that the drought we're in is nothing like the drought that they were experiencing during this time. I mean, this was serious, serious business. And it says for a few years until I give the word, there's not going to be any water. Now, why would, why would God tell Elijah to say this? If you've, if you've seen a pattern in the Old Testament as we've been looking at these stories, you know that uh, the Israelites aren't very good at listening and obeying God. God gives them really clear uh, things to do, and then they go and they do the opposite thing. And so God is, is these are consequences for their disobedience to God. God has provided for them. He's given them this promised land. He's done all these things, yet they're still going and they're doing all of these uh, things that, that are contrary to what God's called them to. And for three years, there's going to be a drought, as we're going to see. And even Elijah doesn't escape this drought, right? Like it doesn't just rain over where Elijah is, yet, yet God continues to provide for Elijah during this time, you know, I, I was just thinking like w- when uh, I, I decided to go back to school a few years ago and my wife and I were praying about this and thinking about this and looking over our finances and we were like, there's no way that we can pay for this. I mean, there's no way we can pay for this. Um, and, and a series of event not having anything to do with us, we ended up having the right exact amount of money that we needed after three years. And it's just like, that's just who God is. Okay, that's just who God is when, when uh, we step out in faith and we do things for him, when we follow him, God is going to provide for us. Jesus said in the New Testament that if God loves the flowers, if he loves the birds and provides for them, surely he's going to provide for us because we're way more important, important to him. God, God provides even in the lean times. And this is the truth, is that God usually provides through other people whether we like it or not. Now, um, we love to help people. I, I hope you do. I hope if you, if you have the ability to help people, you're constantly helping people. Because th- doesn't it feel so good to, to bless someone else? But what's interesting is that when we need help, when we're the recipients of someone blessing us, we don't like it as much right? It makes, us, it makes us uncomfortable. We're like, no, I don't need that. You don't need to do that for me. Um, But whether we like it or not, in lean times, when we don't have much, God often sends other people to provide for us. And this is where the widow comes into play. This is uh, 1 Kings 17, 8 through 11. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. Again, I don't know if I'm saying those cities correctly, so um, just bear with me there. Um, But the point is, is that this brook dries up, and then God tells Elijah to go to this village, and there's going to be a widow there who's going to who's going to provide for his needs. So, so this is what he does. He goes to the village. He sees the widow gathering sticks, and he asks her would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, bring me a bite of bread too. So this is kind of a, this is kind of a funny picture. It's like he shows up, this widow has no idea who he is. Um, and he says, hey, will you give me some water? And, and so she, she's going to get the water. 
And then he's like, oh, and, and bring me some food too, right? Like do both of these things. She, she's probably like, what? I, what? Who are you? Why, why would I do this? I'm a widow. And it, she goes on to say this. She said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. So if you're Elijah, you're probably like, okay, God, why this person, right? Why would you send me to this widow who's gathering sticks for her last meals so that her and her son can go die, right? And she's also, we need to remember too, she's also a widow. So it's not just her and her son. She's obviously lost her, her husband. And so, so God is like, yeah, go and this lady's going to provide for you. Here's someone, she's going through an incredibly difficult time, yet this is the person God chooses to send um, to help Elijah. And this is, this is just funny because this is normally how God works. Like why wouldn't God have said, hey, go to this king who has a bunch of money or go to this rich person who has all these things and a room to stay. No, but God sends Elijah to the poorest of poor who's about to die, who barely has any food. Well, because I think the reason God did this is because God wanted to show that, that it wasn't because of any person right, that, that Elijah was being provided for. It was because of God. And the beautiful thing through this, as we're going to see, is that both people are actually helped. It says this, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. So, so I see right here just an incredible amount of faith. Right, Because th this lady, she's using the last of what she had, and he says, give it to me first. Right? Don't, don't feed yourself and then give me some leftovers. No, give me, give, give me the bread first, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. And then it goes on to say this. It says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So again, this is just this beautiful picture of God providing for Elijah and then also providing for this widow because she had the faith to listen to Elijah, to trust Elijah. She had the faith that God would provide through this prophet through this person that, that he had sent to her. I, I think to myself, you know, if, if you're the widow, and you could put yourself, I love putting ourselves in the shoes of people in the Bible, because we, we can get so, oh, that's, a, that's good, I would have done that thing, but like, would you have done, would you have had the faith to do this, right? You're on your, you're, you're literally last flour and water, would you have the faith to make bread first for the other person and then trust that God would provide for you later? That's a good question. I hope, I hope for a lot of us it would be yes, right? I hope that we would have that faith 
uh, that God would provide for us. But see, this is, this is what happens in the story because, you know, this is great. She has the faith, she makes the food, but when we experience God's provision, we, we can become entitled to it. We can become entitled to it, and that's, that's exactly uh, what happens in this story. But first, uh, are, you, are you an entitled person? Do you feel like you're owed something for whatever reason? Right? And I think all of us at one point or another, we, we're entitled to things. Oh, God, well, I did this. I gave that, that money to that homeless person, so, so you can do this for me. Or, God, I've been through so much already, so you're not going to let anything else bad happen to me. Th- those, are, those are entitlement. That's entitlement. Like, when we feel like God owes us something because of something that we do, or something circumstantial in our lives, that's entitlement. And this is what happens. It says, it's, it goes on to say this. This is continuing in the story. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. So he was already a little bit sick from um, just not eating a lot, but, but he, he grew worse and worse, and he finally died. So a few weeks before, remember her expectation, she was going to go cook this meal for, this, for her and her son, and then she was preparing for both of them to die. I mean, really bleak. But then, but then Elijah comes, and he gives this food, he gives this hope, he says, your, your bread, your olive oil, your water, it's never going to run out. Even though we're in the middle of a drought, it's never going to run out because God is going to provide for you. And then God miraculously provides. And then it's kind of like, oh, God did this, so surely he, he'll continue to let these good things happen to me. You know, one of our, one of our values here at West Haven is, is we love each other enough to be honest. And that's what I, that's why I, want, what I want to say before I tell you this next thing, because it might sting a little bit, but, but God doesn't owe you anything. Like, God, God does not owe any of us anything, yet so often we feel like he should. He, we feel like he should because of the things that have happened in our lives or the things that haven't happened or the opportunities we've been given or the opportunities we haven't been given. But the truth is, is that God doesn't owe us anything. We're not entitled to anything in this life. Yet time and time and time again, God continues to provide. Even though, even though we don't like, deserve it, we're not entitled to it, God in his grace and mercy continues to provide for us and be generous to us. You know, when's the last time that you stopped and you just sat down and you, you wrote on a piece of paper or on your phone all the things, all the good things going on in your life? Right, because we can get so down and out about the bad things happening in our in our you know in our household, but even beyond that, in our friend groups, on, at work, in in our country, in the world. But when's the last time that you sat down and you actually intentionally wrote out, God, these are all the good things that you've done in my life. And if you have done that, you realize just how blessed you are. Like even just that you're here this morning is a blessing. Right, that you didn't get in a car crash on the way here, that you woke up this morning, 
that you had breakfast. If you didn't have breakfast, there's muffins out there, so have breakfast. That there's coffee, right? That, that we're here. Like, do we have that attitude of, of, of thankfulness and gratefulness, right? Not just around Thanksgiving, but all the time. Because I think, I think a lot of us, if we did that, if we chose to look at the things that God has done for us, the, God, the ways that God has blessed us, our perspective would change, our attitudes would probably change. Now, does that mean that we're never going to wonder why certain things happen or that certain things aren't going to be hard or that we're not going through difficult times? No, that, that's, not what that, that's not what that means. That's not what I'm saying. Because this is, this is the truth. It's, it's okay to question God as long as it comes from a place of faith. You know, so, so some people say, oh, you shouldn't question God because he's all-knowing and he, know, he, he has it all in control and you're finite and you can't understand. The people who say that, like, aren't being honest because if, if you live in this world and you don't question certain things and why certain things happen, your, your eyes aren't open, right? Because there's things that all of us see and all of us experience and it's like, God, I genuinely don't understand why that happens. If you're good, if you're sovereign, why would you allow this to happen? We should thank God for his, his provision, but, it, but it's okay to ask why. And this is what this woman does. She experiences God's provision, but then her son dies. Why wouldn't she question God, right? All of us would in that situation. This is what it says. The widow says to Elijah, O man of God, why have you done, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? I mean, if I were Elijah, I'd be like, whoa, sorry. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do that. But really, she, she's looking for someone to be mad at. She's really mad at God. But, but she, she's going to put it on Elijah because he is this prophet, this man of God. She says, why have you come to me to point out my sins and then to kill my son? Why would this happen? Like, why would God spare us miraculously when we both were expecting to die and then my son ends up dying later? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And even Elijah, he, even Elijah questions God. He says, then, then Elijah cries out to the Lord, oh Lord my God. Why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Good question, right? That's a question we would all ask. But, but if, you, if you notice what's within this question, why, why have you brought this tragedy to this widow who's opened her home to me, causing her son to die? This is entitlement right? This, she did something really good for me. She helped me. This is the reason I'm alive. So why would you allow this thing to happen to her? Again, Elijah's like, she's entitled to good luck. She's entitled to blessing, right? She's entitled to provision. But that's not where it ends for Elijah because it goes on to say, 
um, in between these verses, Elijah carries this, this boy up to the room. And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. So, so the, the woman's questions, it, it leads her to anger, frustration. That's really where we see it end. But Elijah's questions, it leads him to faith because Elijah understands who God is. Elijah understands that God has the power and the authority to heal this child, even, even when it seems impossible. Because Elijah has already seen God move and work in miraculous ways. You know, so we're all going to have difficult questions at times. We're all going to wonder why things happen. But let's question God from a place of our understanding of who he is, right? We understand that God really, Romans 8, 28, he's working everything out for our good. And even though we don't understand how that's going to look or why things go the way they go, we can have faith that God is good in our lives, This is the last point, that each new challenge that we have in our lives creates a new opportunity to see how God will provide. You see, Elijah, he's been through a lot in these verses. He's he's had to leave his his town, his hometown. Um, The king hates him. Jezebel hates him. Honestly, the Israelites probably hate him. Elijah was praying for there to be a drought. If, if, If... if Elijah were standing next to me and I lived in that land, I'd slap him upside the head and be like, what are you doing? Don't pray for that. Like, I want water. But he's praying for this because, um, again, because of, of the things the Israelites had done and their disobedience to God, they needed to learn a lesson. But every challenge that Elijah came to, God had provided. And, and even in this challenge with the widow's son, it says this, the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. God can do this, right? God is a miracle worker. His son comes back to life. There's no other force There's no other being, there's no other entity in the universe that can do this. Only God can do it. And he he chooses to do it in this exact situation. Was this child raised to life because of Elijah's faith? No. Was this child raised to life because of the widow's faith? No. It was, the child was raised to life because God was showing exactly who he was. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you're a man of God, and the Lord truly speaks through you. You see, it took, it took so much for this woman to fully believe who Elijah was. It wasn't enough that she wasn't going to run out of food or water, or that God had miraculously provided for her in these ways. It took this situation for her to recognize who Elijah was. And I think even to bolster Elijah's confidence in who he was and who God called him to be. Because as we're going to see in 1 Kings 18, as he goes and stands before 400 prophets, false prophets, who were against him, he would have had to be very sure of who he was and God's call on his life. And so I think God is blessing Elijah through this as well, that he truly is who God has told him he is.
and that, the, and that God speaks through him. You know, God brought glory to himself and confidence to Elijah and provision for this widow, all in this one situation. But again, I, I, want, I, I always think through, okay, that's great. This, this has a happy ending, right? This is, this is the Disney ending where everything turns out well. But what about when things don't turn out well? What do you do when you pray for something and you pray for something and you pray for something and it, it doesn't happen? Sorry. Um, does that mean that God isn't listening? That God's not good? That God doesn't love you? Right? Like so many of us, we feel that way when when. When you pray for something and you're like, God, I know that you can do this. I read these stories in your word and I see you work and I know that you can do this. But, but then it doesn't happen. I want you to come back next week because we're going to talk a lot about prayer. We're going to talk a lot about prayer. And it's going to be really, it's going to be really, really good um, because we're going to touch on this subject, but, but I do want to touch on this, this this morning just a little bit as we end, because this is a question that I think a lot of us have. We, we just don't see the full picture of what God is doing. And so, so often we can wonder, God, why? Why would you do this? Why would you allow this to happen in this person's life or in my life? I want to end by looking at... Um, a prayer that, that wasn't answered in the way the person praying it wanted it to be answered. It's one of the most humbling prayers in the entire Bible. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus himself. He says that, it says this in Matthew 26, 39. It's Jesus, he, right, this is right before he's going to go to be arrested. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays. And it says, he, he, he goes a little farther, bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Like that's a humbling prayer. Jesus prayed that. He said, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. You can see what Jesus wants, right? He doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to go to the cross. He, he wants it to be done in another way, if possible. But then, but then he goes on to say in faith, because he does question, right? He's saying, if any other way this could happen, please let it be that way. But I want your will to be done, not my will. Jesus was submissive to whatever needed to happen. And, and you might be asking yourself, if it's possible, I thought everything was possible for God. Well, evidently, this had to happen for us, for you and I to be saved. There was no other way for us to be in relationship with God than for Jesus to go to the cross. So yes, God could have, have miraculously done this for Jesus, but you and I would have still been dead in our sin. 
You see, because the whole reason Jesus went and died and was submissive to the Father was to take our sin and our shame and our brokenness and our mistakes upon himself because we couldn't do it. We couldn't earn it. And at the end of the day, the best thing that God can provide for us is not food or water or jobs or health. The best thing that that Jesus can provide for us is salvation. Because this world, this life is temporary. Thank God it's temporary. I don't know if I could do this for eternity, right? With all the things that happen and, and all the heartbreak in this world, and that's the hope of Jesus. He came to die so that you and I could spend an eternity with him. And all we have to do is place our trust and our faith in the finished work of the cross. So Christian, you know, as you, as you go do that list, I hope, I hope that at the top of your list is that Jesus died for you. Right? It's not always that, unfortunately. But I hope, I hope the thing that you're most grateful for in your life is that Christ died for you because he loved you that much. And, and secondly, you know, if you haven't yet put your faith and, and trust in Jesus for your salvation, I, I want to encourage you, don't, don't wait any longer. God is, God is speaking to you right now. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God wants the absolute best for you, which is a relationship with him, which comes through Christ. So before you leave today, if you have questions about what that looks like, we're going to have leaders up here. I'll be up here. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. But let's just remember this, you know, as we, as we think back on this story, that in the, in the toughest times, in the hardest situations in life, God is going to provide for us in the exact way that we need to be provided for, even when it's not maybe what we thought or how we thought. Let's pray together.